And good morning to those joining us online this morning. My name is Gabe Smith. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, We have a few different ways for you to connect in a deeper way with New City uh, today, and and I want to highlight a couple of those. First of all, uh, if you are new to New City, or maybe you're new to church in general, um, I want to invite you to come to our Next Step class, which is at 11 o'clock today in room W8, so right outside the doors here. I hope you'll um, come and ask your questions and uh, meet some of the staff there. And second, if you're a person who's just wanting to belong, uh, maybe you've been coming here for a while, maybe you're new here, but you've, you've been looking to connect uh, in a smaller community in, in a way that you can be known and cared for and invested in, then we want to invite you to Group Link tonight. And Group Link is, is an event at 5 p.m., at our Matthews location, uh, and you can register for that online. It's not too late. And when you come tonight, uh, there'll be an opportunity to meet with group leaders and with other group seekers, and it's just going to be a place to get connected. And uh, so we hope to see you there as well. Uh, We think groups are so important in in the life of our community of faith, and we want to show you one story um, about a couple uh, who got connected to a group and found life there. You know, at New City, we have a really great care team, Um, but I kind of like to think that I have my own personal care team uh, with my group and just people that I know are praying for us, um, encourage us, you know, daily, weekly, um, that, you know, if we ever needed anything, um, there would be at least one person in our group that would be able to, you know, drop whatever they're doing and help us out. Knowing that I was going to be walking into a room uh, full of strangers and having to uh, communicate with a bunch of people, as an introvert, it did, uh, it, you know, it, it was a little bit um, unnerving. But I, again, uh, knowing the importance of uh, community, I, it just, it, it was really non-negotiable. I, I, I knew it would be worth it. Uh, and, uh, you know, several years down the road, I can confidently say it was 100% worth it. If someone is on the fence, I would say just do it. You know, <laughs> like I know that that is kind of silly or may sound kind of silly, but you know, if you're a little hesitant towards it, you know, there is so much benefit towards finding these people who, you know, are willing and wanting to walk alongside you. And you don't have to do it alone. And you don't have to come on a Sunday morning alone. And you don't have to you know, not know people when you walk in. And, um, you know, sometimes, especially for people who are maybe new to a church, um, it can be a little intimidating, but finding a small group is really a way to break that barrier of, you know, starting to build that community within the space. Um, And on a lighter note, even as an introvert, I look forward to our community group nights uh, every week. And I've had some of the most fun ever, just being able to, Uh, eat meals with them, get together and chat. Uh, What a great story. You don't have to be alone. Um, And so that would be our desire for you. Just uh, you can go and uh, register for group link. And we hope to see you at 5 p.m. tonight. Um, Well, I also wanted to give you an update on our Christmas uh, serve offering. If you'll remember 
our focus area this year was on displaced people with all the turmoil uh, happening in our, in our city and in our world. And um, part of that effort was to support eight, eight Afghan refugees, eight women, uh, two who are actually still in Afghanistan, and six who managed to get to Kiev, Ukraine. Yeah. So not, not a, a place that you want to be as, as a refugee who had just experienced 20 years of war, but that's where they found themselves. And so we've been in contact with them over the last few months um, on a weekly basis. And of course, they were terrified and devastated um, just at the prospect of the Russian invasion, which then actually did occur. The day before the invasion, um, they actually made their way to a, a city uh, in the west of Ukraine and then um, eventually made their way uh, out of the country into Poland. And while they were on that harrowing journey, um, we were actually on WhatsApp texting each other. And um, there was several of us uh, who are sponsoring them on staff and just telling them, hey, we're praying for you. We're in your corner. We're preparing a place for you in Charlotte and believing with you that you're going to make it out of this. And I want to share a text message that one of the women uh, wrote back um, in a couple of hours after they crossed over the border. We are happily here. I want to thank each one of you from the depth of my heart. I was really devastated uh, at that moment. Your messages and sending us your prayers was giving us hope and energy. Sometimes in life, we don't know whether God is really listening to us or not. But then humans appear by taking our hands. In that moment, faith becomes more stronger. Thank you. God bless each one of you. And I want to remind you, this is a Muslim woman, um, but because of your faithfulness and your generosity, our church is, is reaching out across the world and is part of um, her life and the lives of, of the other refugees that are with her. And over the last 48 hours, we've been able to um, work with missionaries and other organizations and um, actually get them to Germany, where, and they're staying with missionaries in Germany now. They don't have passports. Um, so just want to ask you, invite you to pray with us um, that they would get passports, that all the immigration paperwork that we filed would go through, and that by God's grace, they could um, be here and greet you in person at some point later this year. Um, so thank you for, for your generosity, for being part of this story, and um, let's join together and continue to pray for them um, as, as they continue to find a new home. Um, and so this morning, I want to invite you to give your tithes and offerings, just remembering um, that, you're, that you're part of a faith community um, that's part of bringing gospel renewal and hope um, into the world. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for your generosity toward us. Lord, we, we thank you that uh, when we were far from you, um, you drew near. And Lord, we thank you for your presence with our friends, um, that you were with them in Afghanistan, you were with them in Kiev, that you were with them as they, as they ran across the border, and, and you're with them now. And, and Lord, we pray that um, you would make yourself known to them in a special way in these days. And Lord, help us to remain faithful, um, to be our part of what you're doing. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your church. We thank you for the opportunity um, to be a part of what you're doing. And uh, I pray for this morning um, that you would bless this time together as we worship. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Good morning. It's great to see all of you here and those of you watching online. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at New City. It's a privilege to be able to share with you this morning from God's Word. And if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I want to invite you to be turning to the book of Ephesians. We've been journeying through this amazing book together, and today we're going to find ourselves in chapter 3. So be turning there. If you have your, your phone and you have the New City app, you can pull up the passage there and my sermon outline and notes to go further even and study this passage as a family or individually or even in your, in your New City group. I have a question for you as we, as we start today. How many of you love a good mystery? Any mystery buffs? Yeah, a lot of you. You love a good mystery. Uh, Father Brown, Masterpiece Mysteries, uh, The Mentalist. Anybody seen The Mentalist? Um, Clue. I remember Clue. It was the butler. Um, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo and the, and, the, and the Mystery Machine. I, um, I googled how to write a good mystery this week. So I'm basically an expert. You can come in and talk to me afterwards. This is how it works now, right? Uh, here were the three keys to, to writing a, a good mystery, uh, one that people love. The first is you got to have great characters. You got to have people and stories that are interesting and, and develop storylines and characters and, and pull people in. And then secondly, uh, you got to have what's known as a, as a hook, You've got to draw people in early. It was a stormy night. And suddenly an earthquake happened. And a deer that was on fire ran to a hidden passageway, hidden for years under the house. Something, something like that. That pulls everyone in. But most importantly, to write a good mystery, a mystery that we, that we love to, to read and to experience, you've got to have an assurance of resolution. Now this one was interesting and when I read a little bit further about it and explaining it, basically it was saying that the audience needs to know that the author is going somewhere with all of this. That somehow all of these random people and circumstances are going to come together and there's going to be some, some resolution and solving of the mystery. I mean, none of us walk out of a theater and, and, and seeing a, a great murder mystery and saying, man, that character development was amazing. And the hook really pulled me in, but we never found out who did it. The, the mystery was never solved. No, we, we want to know who did it and, and, and why did they do it. The only thing more satisfying than a, than a great mystery shared or, or story told is a, is a mystery that is, that is solved. And in our passage today, the Apostle Paul in chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, is not only going to share a great mystery story, but he's going to solve it. He's going to reveal who done it. All the puzzle pieces are going to be put together and fit together to, to show us a, a great mystery revealed. And the mystery revealed is, is none other than God's plan for salvation. God's plan to, everyone watch this, to save you and to save me. This was a mystery that had puzzled uh, the Israelites for centuries. And now Paul is, is going to reveal this mystery in chapter 3 and, and talk about how it all comes together. If you miss this passage... 
right? If you were to miss Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 13, you would miss the whole reason that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. I mean, there's, there's so many storylines in this book, in this, in this short six-chapter letter as we're, as we're seeing and journeying together. But if you missed this passage, if you missed this mystery revealed, you would miss the reason that Paul writes the letter. Because, here's why, everyone watch this, the Bible The Bible is this great mystery, suspenseful thriller, right? And and, and it turns out that in the end, the person responsible for the mystery, how it all comes together, is not the vengeful butler that no one suspected. It's a resurrected Jesus. The Bible has it all. Great character development. An incredible hook early on in chapter 3 where humanity falls and how is all of this going to come together. And then amazing resolution through gospel renewal in Christ alone. It's got it all. And Jesus is the centerpiece. In fact, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I hope you'll get this. That God's plan is not a buried mystery. It's a resurrected Jesus. God's plan is no longer a buried mystery puzzling us. How is it all going to come together? It's a resurrected Jesus. And that's what's on full display here. That's what Paul celebrates in this incredible passage, Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. So if you're able, with that said, would you stand to your feet and let's hear this passage today, this great mystery revealed Through the writing of Paul to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. The word of God to you today. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him and spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Verse 9, I was chosen to explain to everyone the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its variety in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart. 
We live in a world, even this morning, where it's so easy to lose heart. Paul says, please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. The word of God to you today. You may be seated. All right, so Paul begins here. If you're following along and taking some notes or filling in the blanks on the outline, Paul begins by describing his situation. And here's the situation in, in verse 1. He begins by saying, when I think of all this, or if you're looking in the ESV, for this reason, which should, should call us to ask the question, for, for what reason? When I think of all of, all of what? Well, he's referring back to chapter 2. And if you missed the, the message last week, go back and listen to it because it's very important in the context of, of chapter 3 when he says, he says, when I think of all this, for this reason, and what is he thinking about? Well, let me just read a, a quick little excerpt from chapter 2. Beginning in verse 12, he says, in those days, he's writing to the church at, at Ephesus, most of the people at Ephesus were Gentiles, non-Jews. He says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world, listen to this statement. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So many people today in our world are living without God and without hope. And then this wonderful word, verse 13, but now... But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And then Paul gets to chapter 3, our, our passage today, and he says, when I think of all this, when I think about what Jesus has done, when I think about those who were far from God, Gentiles, outside God's covenant promises, have been brought near and united with Christ, brought into his family by his blood, I can't help but write these words. And then Paul stops in verse 2. We'll get there in just a second. He says, assuming, by the way, if you want to underline that in your Bible, he, he stops here and begins a digression. But what we see is in verse 1, what he wanted to do in response when he says, when I think of all this or for this reason, he wants to pray. He wants to worship and respond to what Jesus has done through prayer. But he stops and he explains the mystery and the plan and makes sure that the Gentiles understand God's mystery revealed in Jesus. By the way, next week when we start verse 14, he's going to pray. And boy, does he pray. And it's quite a response to chapter 2 and, and God bringing both Jew and Gentile, all of humanity together in Christ and his plan of salvation. But, but then he goes further and he says these words in, in verse 1 explaining his situation. He says, I'm a prisoner, look at this with me, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you, writing to the church at Ephesus, you Gentiles. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus, what an interesting phrase, for the benefit of you Gentiles. Now, just for context, Paul is writing the book of Ephesians from, do you remember where? From Rome. He's under arrest. So he is a literal prisoner of the emperor of Rome. And he's awaiting trial. As a Roman citizen, Paul was a Roman citizen, he evoked his right to stand before Caesar with his trial. Now, what was he on trial for? Do you remember? Paul is on trial for preaching Jesus. And the Jews didn't like it. And so they accused the Apostle Paul of an insurrection against the Roman Empire, thinking that, that it would uh, end his ministry. And eventually, Rome would execute Paul. 
but it was several years of house arrest before Paul is executed. And in those years, Paul uses his time to preach the gospel through written expression and to share with those who were around him, even his, even his guards he shared Jesus with. And he writes the book of Ephesians under house arrest in Rome. Now, it would have been easy for him to say, let's think about his situation, I, Paul, this, was, this would have been more accurate, a prisoner of Rome because of the Jews who wanted to keep me from preaching Jesus. But look at what he says about his situation. I, Paul, a prisoner of, not Rome, Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles. Perspective is everything, dear friends. Perspective is everything. The circumstance hasn't changed. We wouldn't fault Paul for writing accurately that he's a prisoner of Rome awaiting certain execution because he preached Jesus and the Jews were jealous and so they had him arrested. That would have been an accurate description of his circumstances. But Paul doesn't lose perspective that he belongs to Jesus, that his life is not his own, that it belongs to him, and neither is ours. I I don't know what your circumstances are today, but here's what I know from just this one verse, is that our circumstances do not define us. Our relationship with Jesus does. Paul says, my circumstances don't have a hold on me. Jesus has a hold on me. He's got me. So I'm his prisoner. I'm beholden to him and him alone. And it's for the benefit of of the Gentiles, these people that I was called to serve. So Paul doesn't say, I'm a prisoner because of my sin. I'm a prisoner because God got mad at me. I'm a prisoner because of my circumstances or just happenstance or chance. And many times we define our circumstances or situation by all of those things. I just, you know, I was just a little bit late. I didn't get that job. My, my middle school coach hated me, so I didn't make the team, and I would have gone pro. But, but all these things happened to me. All these things happened to me, right? You, you know, many people believe that life happens to them. Life just happens to me. All these circumstances and chances and relationships, and it just hasn't panned out for me. And, and, and all these things just happen to me, and, my, and I'm defined by them. And it would have been easy for Paul in self-pity to just say, all these th- I was trying to do good for God. I was serving God. I was preaching Jesus. And I was arrested, and then eventually he's executed. But he doesn't have that perspective that life just happens to him. Because he knows that Jesus happened to him. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, More specifically, Jesus met him and got a hold of his heart so nobody else can. I'm, I'm preaching to someone today. You're not defined by your circumstances or chance. Life doesn't just happen to you if you are a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus, is, Jesus has you in his hands. Jesus has called you. He knows your name. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High King. And as king's kids, circumstances don't control us. The king does. Jesus says, I'm a, or Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. I'm a captive of Jesus. He's got control of my life. Paul is incarcerated because of his faithfulness to God's plan. And for some of you, this is the word, faithfulness to what God wants for you in your life. Faithfulness to God's plan does not always look like success in our plans or other people's plans for us. God didn't call you to be successful. He called you to be faithful. 
Many people would have looked at Paul in Rome and said, you're an utter failure. He was right smack dab in the plan of God. Exactly what God wanted for him. I grew up as a kid. My parents didn't come to know Jesus until uh, I was in uh, the fourth grade. But we made up for it. I've shared this before. Like, we didn't go to church for years, and then we just went to church all the time. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the time. And it was great. And, I, and, and then w- w- when we weren't in church, we were listening to In Touch. And so I, I grew up listening to Charles Stanley in the morning, and then, the, and then it would replay on CBS in the evening. And my parents would watch it again. I'm like, we've watched this before. We already saw this sermon, but it's on Sunday night. But somehow it just, it just, that truth just got, you know, began to get into my heart and my mind. And one of the things that Dr. Stanley said, I remember, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God, right? I'm going to trust God and, and, and leave all the consequences to him, right? I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what God's asked me to do. I'm going I'm to leave all the consequences to him. I wonder, I wonder what that could mean in your life. To follow God, to trust God, to do what God's asking you to do and leave all the consequences to him because they belong to him. Paul says, listen, you know, I, 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 this is my situation and I know it may not appear to be that I'm, you know, that I'm in God's plan or, 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 or that God's in control, but actually he is. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for your benefit. And then he goes on to explain how he's, his imprisonment and his writing is a benefit to them. Look at verses two through seven. He says, I've got this special assignment. This begins a, 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 a 12 verse digression from his original intention. He wants to start out chapter three by praying and worshiping in response to this great revelation of, of God bringing Jew and Gentile together to one humanity. You remember last week, the, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down in Christ. We are now one person, one humanity in Christ. And before uh, Paul responds in prayer in verse 14, which we'll cover next week, he, he begins to talk about this special assignment, responsibility that God has given to him to, to steward this grace. And that's exactly what it is. Look at verses 2 and 3. He says, you know, assuming, by the way, that you know that God gave me a special responsibility of extending his grace to the Gentiles. I wrote you briefly earlier, God himself has revealed his mystery, his mysterious plan to me. Paul makes it clear, if you're taking notes, that the revelation of God to him, the solving of the mystery that had been a riddle for centuries to Israel, of how does, how does God's plan of salvation work, has been revealed to Paul, not by his efforts, but by his what? Starts with G. By his grace. What is grace? Do you remember? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Paul says it was by God's grace. I got something that I didn't deserve. It was only God's work for me, which is, by the way, the foundation of all of salvation. By grace, as we learn in chapter 2, through what? Through faith. Through trust. Not through work. Not through my last name. Not through my education. Not through the, the level of my bank account. Only by God's grace through our trust in him. And now our response, everyone watch this. Our response to this grace is exactly what Paul is doing. Our response is worship. And we worship in many different ways. Today we we sang as an act of musical worship. But what is worship? Worship is our response to God's revelation. That's what worship is. And in everything that we do, 
It's meant to be an act of worship or response to God for his great revelation. Now, what is the ultimate revelation of God? Everyone stick with me. This is really important. The ultimate revelation of God was what? Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. Jesus came to explain to us who God is. Remember, Jesus says, as you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The night that Jesus was betrayed, the disciple says, show us the face of the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, don't you get it? If you've seen my face, you've seen the face of the Father. The Father sent the Son to reveal himself to us and to bring us back home by grace through faith. And now worship is our response to God's great revelation. Then look at verse 4 and 5, this assignment that Paul has. He says, as you read this, this letter would have been uh, read out loud to the church in in a public gathering of worship. But it would have also been read by the leaders in the church. And he says, look at verse 4, he says, as you read what I've written, you'll understand my insight into this mystery. Uh, Underline that phrase, insight into, because... One of the, that phrase occurs several times in the Old Testament, and one of the most notable places that, that phrase insight into occurs is in Daniel, which we study in the fall. You can go back and listen online. And as Daniel is given interpretation into the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar, he uses that little phrase insight into. And now all these centuries later, Paul is going to use the same phrase that the same God that gave insight into the mysteries to Daniel was giving insight into the mysteries to me. They would have known. The light bulb would have popped on over their head. Oh, he's talking about God and God giving insight into special revelation. And he says, look at verse 5, God has revealed the mystery of Jesus, right, through the apostles and the prophets. And that phrase there, revealed, is past tense, so he's talking about what has already happened. Look at verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, just one chapter ahead. Paul writes, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ himself. What does all this mean? It means, again, that Jesus was the ultimate revelation of God's plan to us. And the plan started all the way back with the patriarchs, beginning with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, God says to Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. And all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And actually, Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise that was given all the way to Abraham. And then the prophets that came after the patriarchs, namely Abraham, were, remember the role of a prophet is to speak from God to people. The role of a priest is to hear from people and, and go before God to intercede. The prophets were speaking God's word to God's people. And even Isaiah in Isaiah 49 and Isaiah 52 was saying, all the ends of the earth will hear the salvation of the Lord. What was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus. He was talking about God's uh, revelation of the mystery of salvation. But the Israelites had waited for hundreds of years to understand this, and the Gentiles didn't even have a clue. And now God is bringing it all together. And the apostles, which by the way, the uh, apostle means messenger. So Paul says, I was an apostle. And what we believe that apostles were a special group of people that witnessed the life and ministry of Jesus And moreover, saw him resurrected. And Paul sees him on the road to Damascus and he says, I'm an apostle now giving witness to the resurrected Jesus, this mystery revealed. And then he uses these three Greek terms. 
right? Stick with me here. This is really important. Look at verses six and seven. He uses the terms fellow heirs, which again, let's go all the way back to Abraham. We're fellow heirs with God's people, Israel. This is written to a Gentile audience. This is, this is mind-blowing for them. Members of the same body. In other words, you're a part of the family of God. This little phrase, members of the same body, is rarely used. In fact, many people believe that this was original to Paul, members of the same body, all the way back to this idea of a new humanity, a new family that God was creating, Jew and Gentile in Christ. And then the third phrase is partakers of the promises of God. The same promises, covenantal promises that were given to the people of God, Israel in the Hebrew Testament, are now available to Gentiles, non-Jews like me and like you. And then verse 7 is this transitional verse that you could skip over, but it's so meaningful. Look at it with me. He says, by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him and spreading the gospel. The actual phrase there is minister of the gospel, a servant of Jesus. And Paul not only uses that to describe himself, but he uses it to describe his teammates, Phoebe and Timothy and Apaphras and Apollos and, and Silas and Barnabas. And all of his teammates were, were ministers of the gospel. They, were, they had the privilege of serving Jesus by proclaiming his word to people. And that gets me to this final section here, verses 8 through 13 in our passage. Paul, Paul talks about a situation, he talks about his special responsibility, and then he describes his service, how this all plays out. And he uses this phrase, look at verse 8, he says, I'm the least deserving of all of God's people, specifically the apostles, those who were giving witness to Jesus. He says, I'm the least of these. In fact, the actual phrase, if you're taking notes in the Greek, is I am less than the least of these. Now, the world says, I'm the greatest. And we glorify that phrase, I'm the greatest. Paul says, I'm the least. I'm the least. You know, Hugo Chavez, who was uh, the dictator of Venezuela, supposedly on his deathbed, he grabbed the collar of one of the doctors and said, I command you not to let me die. The Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a perspective. I'm a servant. I'm the least of the least. I don't deserve this, but it's only by God's grace that he's given me, that he's given each of us now as the church the opportunity to serve God in this way. And he says this was a gift. It was God's purposes. And then this new era has begun. Look at verses 10 and 11. Paul says God's purpose in all this was to use who? The church. Who's the church? You and me, Christ followers. The church isn't a building or an entity. The church is a people, a community, People who are on a journey following Jesus. And Paul says, God's purpose was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants to use the church in its rich variety, every nation, tongue, and language, every ethnicity, Jew and Gentile, male and female, young and old, to share the manifold wisdom of God's plan of salvation with all of humanity. 
That's all. Let me say it another way. The church, for all of its foibles, for all of its flaws, for all of its, all of its shortcomings, because the church is full of people like us who have foibles and flaws and shortcomings, for all the ways that we fall short as a group and a community of Christ followers, we are God's plan A to share his grace with the world. The church, God's people, is God's plan to share God's purposes with all people. And as Paul said, as our bodies are withering away, his lamp of light inside of us shines even brighter. So it's, it's actually through our flaws, it's through our brokenness that people are able to see into the light of Jesus. That it's not about us because it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. God wants to use the church as his ultimate exclamation point to the mystery revealed of salvation. This story that God is revealing and writing for all of humanity to invite them home in a relationship with him by grace through faith. God wants to use the church, you and me, as an exclamation point. As his witness, his ambassadors to the world. And specifically here, this is a really interesting phrase in verse 10 and 11. He wants to display it, Paul says, to the unseen rulers and authorities. What does that mean? We'll talk about more of that in chapter 6 when we get there in the spring. But Paul says the church actually is going to display the manifold wisdom of God, not just to other people, but to angels who Peter writes are peering in, longing to see the mystery revealed of salvation. They're longing to understand how does all this work. Isn't that amazing? The angels are looking into your life to understand how you follow Jesus and how God saved you. They're peering over to see the plan of salvation revealed, but also to the demons and the legions who have been defeated, reminding them, the church does, that they are defeated, that they have no power or authority, that when Jesus said, it is finished from the cross, Jesus didn't say, I'm finished. Jesus said, it is finished. What is finished? The plan of salvation for all of humanity. The work of salvation is completed. And now we come into a relationship with God, not by our merit or our ethnicity or anything else. We come into a relationship with God by God's completed work through Jesus on the cross. And it's by his grace, his gift, his unmerited favor to us by our simple trust and belief in him. And then finally, I'll close here. Verse 12 and 13, Paul says, now we have full access. We have a backstage pass to everything that God is doing because of Christ our faith in him, we can now come, look at, listen to these words, boldly and confidently into God's presence. And Tim Keller wrote this, I love this, only a son or a daughter, only a son or a daughter can wake the king in the middle of the night for a glass of water. That's the access that you and I have to the king. As a son or a daughter, we can wake him up in the middle of the night and say, help, I'm thirsty, would you help me? You know, not only do we know the mystery that's been revealed, God's plan of salvation through Jesus, not only do we know the mystery, guess what? We know the author of the mystery. The writer of Hebrews said, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We not only know the plan and the purpose and the mystery, but we know the author behind it all. And then Paul finishes this way, verse 13, and we'll close here. So please don't lose heart. 
please don't lose heart. It's easy to look at circumstances. It's easy to look in our world right now, in this moment that we find ourselves in, with disease, with war, with rumors of war, with all kinds of brokenness. It's easy to look at all of that and lose heart. And Paul says, don't lose heart, church, because my trials here, right, it's really a suffering for you, Paul says. And you should feel honored for this, Paul ends. Don't lose heart. In fact, the word there is actually take heart. Don't feel sorry for me, Paul says. Don't look at my circumstance. Don't look at your own circumstances. Look to what God is doing, his plan revealed for you. Bottom line today, Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13, this great mystery revealed. Bottom line, God's plan is not a buried mystery is a resurrected Jesus. So take heart. Take heart. Can I pray for you? Let's pray together. Father, when we we think of all of this, everything we've just heard, when we think of all of this, We can't help but to respond in worship. We can't help but to to pray and, and to love and to sacrifice in the same ways that you have prayed for us, that you've sacrificed for us, that you've loved us. Father, thank you today for your plan that has been revealed in Jesus. Great are you, Lord. May our lives as we leave here today be a reflection, a full display of your great wisdom and your mystery revealed. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Please stand as we respond together. all the earth and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord all the earth will shout
thank you so much for being with us today. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, we have a gift for you. And we'd love for you to stop by Connection Point, which is straight out these doors in the courtyard today. And if you've been coming for a while, but you're looking to get connected, it's a great place to stop and, and ask questions. And we'd love to get you on a team or in a group and make New City your home today. If you're able, would you extend your hands as we go today for a, for a blessing? And as we receive this blessing today from God, let's also use this as a prayer and a blessing for those who are in harm's way today specifically in the Ukraine. Now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord today and all throughout the week fill you and protect you with his love and his grace and his peace. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Love you, New City.